from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. The voice is not all the way here, but I feel a little bit better this morning. So thank you for your patience uh, with everything here, and, and thank you for being awesome listeners. I am so, so proud and so happy to do what I love, and it, it, it brings it brings a smile to my face every day. So it is an honor. It is a privilege to be here, and I'm going to give you that morning menu this morning, and we're going to change up the morning menu. The sounds that you're used to hearing for the morning vent menu and, and and all of that is going to change. We're upgrading it. We're updating it. We're making it better. So for this morning, I'm going to let you know that the morning menu will start off in the first hour with Papa Joe's picks, which is when Papa Joe and I speak on college football, the rankings, what's going on, who should be in, who shouldn't be in, how the games look, how the teams look. This was probably, this past Saturday was probably one of the best days for football, in my opinion. And it was one of the craziest days in my life, and so it should be one of the craziest days in football, and I will tell you folks, it was, I mean, this day was tremendous. Papa Joe and I were on the phone all throughout the day talking about a bunch of different games, so we're going to discuss that. We're going to bring that to the airwaves this morning, and then in the second hour of the show, it's the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub in the Penn and Trophy Center with my guy Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football. Dot com. The Florida feel is in with Papa Jay and Mike Sofka. Cannot wait to share this with you. The beauty of waking up in the morning and doing what you love. So with that being said, I know that I'm a little bit hoarse, but I'm going to try it out. Welcome to the show, Papa Joe. Yeah, good morning, Daniel. Good morning. <laughs> how Now, how are we doing, Papa Jay? You've had a few days to, to kind of let these games marinate. There was, there was a good weekend of football last weekend. Well, you bet. A uh, lot of upsets. Good football played. Uh, looks like the standings are going to be shaking for a while. Um, good teams are going to rise to the top. The bad teams are going to fall to the bottom. And the ones in the middle, those are the ones that are causing the problems. And, you know, there's one of these teams I want to talk about because I, really, I don't really know where to place them is the LSU Tigers. You know, the, the Tigers, if we look at their schedule and we look at you know, how things have, have shaken out up to this point with LSU. I mean, this is a team who, you know, rose, then they fell, then they rose back again. And I'm just, you know, they, they intrigue me in what they can be and the spoiler that they can play. So we look at LSU now. They beat Miami in the first game of the season, 33-17, to when Miami was ranked eighth in the country. Then they beat one of the teams that you put on the schedule to beat, Southeastern Louisiana. Then they defeated Auburn at Auburn by a point. Then they defeated Louisiana Tech. Then they defeated Mississippi 45-16. to Then they lost to Florida, which dropped them in the rankings, and they came back and beat 
Georgia this past weekend. Georgia was number two in the country and 6-0 and at the time, and they handed Georgia not only their first loss of the season, but they defeated Georgia by 20 points. Who are the LSU Tigers? Well, they're, a, they're an enigma, that's for sure. Coach O, he does some strange things over there in Bayou country. He, uh, he has a unique way of, of getting his players to play. Uh, I don't. I can't figure LSU out. Uh, they didn't look that good when they played Florida, and, and Florida actually earned that that win. I'm very proud for them. Uh, I don't understand how they can fall so far after losing to Florida, and then beating Georgia, and Florida beating Vanderbilt, and then they jump ahead of Florida three or four spots to be in the top six in the country. I can't figure that out. Uh, I mean, Coach Ole Miss had a lot of sway. Uh, I can't figure it out. What do you think? Well, that's the thing that's strange to me is that if we look at the the rankings and we just, you know, go all the way through, you know, week two, LSU was 11. Week three, LSU was 12. So they, they dipped a little. Week four, they went up to six. Week five, they were at five. Week six... They were at five, so they they held steady there. Week seven, they dropped from five to thirteen after losing to Florida, but they were still above Florida, and it, that's the thing that didn't make any sense. So they lost to Florida and went from five to thirteen, but stayed above Florida, and then they won one game over Georgia and went from thirteen back to five. So they did five thirteen five. And Florida, who is also six and one, the same record as LSU, and beat LSU is eleven. So, so Florida is six spots below the team that they defeated that has the same record, and I can't make sense of that. Well, you know, all the teams, and you, your your listeners are probably tired of hearing me say this, but you know, in my opinion, and has been in the last five years, that the national championship is going to go run through the SEC. Those teams on both the East and the West divisions, any team can beat any other team on any given Saturday. That's been proved. Now, I told you last week that I was very leery of Vanderbilt playing Florida because Vandy put up such a big fight against Notre Dame, who we don't know who Notre Dame is because they don't ever play anyone uh, anyone in the league. So, uh, to me, it was a sign, you know. And sure enough, you know, after one quarter, it was 21-3, and Florida's on their heels. So, you know, it's it's difficult to figure these guys out. Uh, it's difficult to figure them out. So, you know, the best we can do is just try to figure who's to, who's going to do what from here on out. Uh, every team, of course, has cupcakes on their on their schedule. Uh, Florida has a, a homecoming game against someone. I don't even know how to pronounce the name for crying out loud. <laughs> and the rest of these, the rest of these teams are going to have cupcakes too. But when it comes to to interleague play, it is brutal. You know, South Carolina, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee—they uh, can beat anyone any given Sunday. And uh, hopefully, Alabama's playing Tennessee this week. They better they better tighten it up. They better tighten their jock tracks up because Tennessee's going to come at them. And Florida's got a bye week, which is good because they got some guys with some real ouchies on them. In uh, the rest of the, the rest of the league, you know, is, is going to be knocking each other out. It, it's unfortunate that you have these so many good teams playing each other and beating each other and and trying to figure out which one or two or three are going to rise to the level that deserves to be in the in the final four. Uh, 
Last year, we saw two SEC teams. I wouldn't be surprised if we see two SEC teams again. Uh, I look for Ohio State uh, probably going to be in there. They're they're running roughshod over the over the Big Ten. There's no one there except maybe for Penn State and Michigan. Uh, so the ACC is is Florida State to me is still very 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 dangerous. You got NC State is is undefeated. They're playing a good team this week, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's the guys the guys who can handle the pressure, the coaches and the quarterbacks who can handle the pressure now deserve to be in the games. Speaking here with Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks every single Thursday morning to start off Wake Up Call. Papa Jay always keeps me on my toes when it comes to football and sports in general. So we brought him to the airwaves to not deprive you of the conversations that we get to have around the table. That's how it started, and this is how it continues, and I always appreciate having Papa Jay on the show. You brought up the fact that two, you know, SEC team, you know, that, that the championship, the college football playoff runs through the SEC. If it's two SEC teams that make the college football playoff, in your opinion, as we look at it right now, and I'll and I'll tell you some of these teams here, when we go to the SEC, right now obviously Alabama is seven and zero. They're number one in the country. They're at the top of the West in, in the SEC. Texas A and M is is five and two and behind them LSU is six and one behind Texas A and M. In the east of the SEC, the Florida Gators are First at six and one, Georgia is behind them at six and one. Kentucky is five and one. What two teams, or I should say, what team besides Alabama, in your opinion, if you had to choose right now, what team makes the college football playoff of the SEC besides Alabama? Uh, that's a good one, Daniel. That's a very, very good question on this early Thursday morning. Um, certainly, it's not going to be Florida. You know. A, a, you know that's my alma mater. I mean, I I love them to death. Uh, they, they just don't have they don't have all sil- cylinders firing, and this is not Dan Mullen's team yet. So I think we can we can eliminate Florida. Uh, Georgia has to bounce back strong next week. They have to beat Florida, and they have to beat them convincingly to even think about coming up there, uh, because Georgia cannot lose another game. Auburn, LSU. Alabama are going to be playing each other in the Western Division, and who knows what's going to happen there. I don't think any of the teams are strong enough to beat uh, to beat Alabama. If, L- if LSU loses to Alabama, they're going to have two losses. They're going to be out somehow. If they if they beat Alabama, uh, you know maybe they could be into the topic for there. So if you look at East versus West and the West playing each other, the East knocking each other off too. I look. I, I still look for Georgia sneaking in there with Alabama. Uh, it, it, it's just it's it's difficult for two teams to come out of the West uh, with uh, only one loss and still make it throughout the country. You know, the rest of the teams in the country have a very good, very good chance of getting there too. In the, the in the uh, the leagues that we talk about all the time, you know, you have Clemson, who's probably going to be rated right up there with with Alabama. Uh, I like Clemson a lot. This, they're playing a very difficult uh, NC State team. Uh, somehow they're they're favored by something like 16 points, and I can't figure that one out, but we can talk about that one later. Uh, uh, going back to the SEC, if, <clears throat> if Georgia plays up to their potential, knocks off Florida and skates through the rest, then it's going to be Georgia and Alabama playing in the for the SEC championship. Now, if Alabama beats Florida, 
Georgia. Georgia will have two losses and they'll be out. If Georgia beats Alabama, then there's a very good chance that two SET teams with one loss each will be in a will be in the deciding championships. And that's the thing that you brought up. Georgia can't afford to lose another game because uh, typically, oh, what it used to be in the BCS is you had to be undefeated. And if you had one loss, you had to have a really, really good case, and it came down to the wire. There's a, there's Alabama's undefeated, Ohio State's undefeated, Clemson's undefeated, Notre Dame is undefeated, and UCF is undefeated, NC State is undefeated, Cincinnati and South Florida. Do any of, of those teams, I mean, when you look at that, when you know UCF, Cincinnati, South Florida, all undefeated still, does does that hold any weight to you that they're hanging tough and are all six and zero right now because the committee doesn't seem to care that much? I know the committee doesn't care because they they don't think of them as a, as elite teams. They all should be given credit for the, for how they've come aboard this year and and taking care of business early, especially South Florida with Charlie Strong. These are good teams. They're not top level teams, but they're good teams. Uh, no, they're not going to be given any consideration whatsoever. Uh, the ACC really has to come up strong here. They really need to separate themselves uh, from the rest of the country uh, with Clemson and so on. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But but those teams you just mentioned, uh, very good teams. Coaches should be proud. Players should be proud. But they'll go to a major bowl probably. But other than that, they're not going very far. Except maybe for NC State, who is an elite team and has a very good chance this weekend. If UCF goes undefeated this season and has back-to-back undefeated seasons, do they deserve consideration? Do they? I mean, they had a coaching change of their entire coaching staff. Scott Frost has apparently no reins on Nebraska right now. It looks ugly as all get out. Nebraska was a broken program that needed help. It just continues to stay broken in his first season. And I know everything takes time, but if we're going to give all the credit to the coach, he left, went to Nebraska. They wanted to hire him away. They haven't won a game. And Central Florida is 6-0 and without him with a new staff, a new head coach, and these players are still being successful. If they go through this season and they're undefeated and they win another American Athletic Championship, what do we do with UCF? That's a good question. Uh, boy, they, they deserve to be they deserve to be mentioned, uh, but I think that's as far as it's going to go. Uh, I'll bet Coach Frost wishes he had some of those players up there in, in Nebraska. You know, Coach Frost uh, used the players down here. He used a very fast system. He had a heck of a quarterback who come back this year do the same thing, Milton. Uh, obviously, the, te- the, the team that he has in Nebraska is not anywhere near as fast as, as his team down here in Central Florida. So uh, if he were to take some of those guys and move them up to Nebraska, that would probably help him out a lot. But, you know, it's unfortunate that that they're in this conversation because they deserve to be thought of. But and even last year when they beat Auburn in the, in the bowl game, they, you know, people just said, well, you know, they got lucky. And, uh, you know, no, they, they don't get lucky. One thing that people around the country have to understand about the South, when you recruit players in the South, they play the game and they play 12 months a year. They're developed at an early age and 
the recruiting bed down here is full of super, super players. I don't care if they're eight star, 20 star, one star. It doesn't make any difference. You know, the, the recruiting, the recruiting bed down here is full of really good players. And that's proven with South Florida and with Central Florida. Even though they don't get, even some of these kids don't go to the old Florida State or Florida or something like that, they go to Central Florida and South Florida. And what do they do? They play well and they, and their teams are recognized. It's unfortunate, but Central Florida is not going to go any farther than what they did last year. Well, and that's the thing that, that doesn't make sense to me. And it, it makes me, you know, ask the question what do they have to do? If they decided to, and the thing is, you know, it's not just them. These teams have to schedule these games. And, you know, if LSU doesn't want to play them and Alabama doesn't want to play them and, and Georgia doesn't want to play them and Clemson doesn't want to play them and, and Washington and Oregon and so on and so forth, if teams don't want to play them because they're afraid that they might lose to them, then they can't get those whatever signature quality wins. But let's just say for argument's sake that in their non-conference schedule, they play Georgia, they play Clemson or Florida State. Let's say they play Florida State, let's say they play Georgia, and let's say they play uh, let's say they play Michigan and they win all those games. Now now do they get in the college football playoff? Well, yeah, somehow they got to fit in there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how the the committee figures something like that, but they should. You know, if, if Central Florida and South Florida want to boost up their programs, they ought to just stay within the state of Florida and play. They should play Miami, Florida, and Florida State. Now, it's unfortunate for me to say this, but if Florida State plays Central Florida, Florida State's going to be favored. Why? Because they have better players. Maybe not the best coach right now. But they got better players. Central Florida and South Florida and Cincinnati and other teams, they have good players that play good football. But on a regular basis, they can't beat great teams. The issue that I have is if they had the opportunity, because I think what the committee did last year is I think because the college football playoff committee chooses who plays in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, it's it's not the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And when the committee gave Auburn to UCF, they gave Auburn or they gave UCF the team that just barely was out of the college football playoff. They gave them Auburn. Auburn was ranked fifth. The top four make it to the college football playoff. Auburn arguably should have been in the top four. And I feel like that was a test. It was like, okay, UCF, you think you're big and bad. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna put you in the gladiator arena we're going to open up the cage we're going to let the Auburn Tigers out they're going to maul you and then you're going to stop talking when they beat Auburn I think the committee now is kind of like what the hell are we supposed to do you're right you're right and and, and they do have a tough job in front of them I don't know if uh, Central Florida has any other teams on their schedule that could beat them Uh, but uh, say if you if Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama are the three top teams and they're looking for a fourth team to put in you know, uh, certainly, certainly they would they would qualify if we're talking like that. Uh, if if the committee decides that uh, no other conference except the four that they talk about are going to be are going to qualify for the tournament, then nothing they can do on the field is going to make that any difference. 
Let's see what I think. And speaking here with Papa Joe and Papa Joe's picks, what I think should be, if they're never going to consider teams other than the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, and maybe the Pac-12 or maybe the Pac- or, or maybe the Big 12, if that's how it's going to be, if autonomy has control over the college football playoff, then there should not be any other conferences in Division 1A FBS football, and those should spin off and form their own and have their own playoff. Because if there's never going to be a path, there's never going to be a chance, there's no reason that these conferences should have to suffer through playing in a system that is never going to work in their favor. Well, that's true. And, and the way to solve that is to go to uh, maybe six teams or eight teams. Uh, that way you can you can involve everyone. You know, we're talking about uh, the Oklahomas and Texas, too. We haven't talked about them a lot in the last couple of weeks. They're another conference that sort of beat, beats up on each other. Uh, Oklahoma's a real good football team this year. They got a absolute fabulously quarterback in Murray. And, you know, no one talks about them as being in a championship material. Um, the only way to, to solve what you just mentioned is to sp- spread it out a little bit. Maybe have Maybe have six teams and number five and number six are wild card teams and maybe they play they play off to get into top five and then then the lowest ranking of the number five plays the winner of the wild card you know something like that or you go to eight teams which is you know going to make a lot of money for a lot of schools but i don't know if the tv networks can handle that and also remember these kids are still college students they got to be able to take their exams they got to be able to test they got to be able to go to class participate I'm not sure that you want to spread the the football season out in the middle of January or even end of January. Well, and that's the question. That's one of the questions that I actually brought up on yesterday's show is how can we say, well, you can't extend the college football season because these athletes are in school and they have to have time to take their tests and their finals and their students. And I said, yeah, but for college basketball, college basketball is two semesters. College basketball is almost an entire calendar year in college. You start your fall semester in September. You end it in December. The, the basketball team starts practicing in September, plays their preseason games at the end of October, and then has the regular season all through December. Then you go on break. Then you come back in January. And when you come back in January, they have games January, February, March. If they go far, they play until April. And then in May, June is when your semester ends. So I, I, I brought up the case yesterday of the argument that how can you say the student athlete can't handle another few weeks of playing football when a student athlete that plays basketball that's the same age going through the same stuff and the same life and, this, and trying to juggle everything, they have to play two almost full semesters. They spend almost their entire year studying and playing their sport so how can you say they have to do it but a college football player can't play one more game or two more games yeah you're a good point that's a real good point uh the only way i can uh critique that is that you know the football teams have 100 players the the, uh the basketball teams has 13 players uh and they tutor and uh they do their homework on the road they they bring their computer laptops with them and they do all the kind of it's it's easier to take care of 13 guys instead of 100. So you know, that, that that's a very good point, though. But it, it's, it's, it's also driven by money, too. If the, if the committee sees that there's more money involved here, 
they're going to grab it. They're going to say, well, let's, you know, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and try to maybe stretch it out to six teams or eight teams. And maybe we can go another couple extra weeks, you know, without killing the kids in the classroom. So there's a lot to be considered. And as long as South Florida and Central Florida and Cincinnati and these other teams uh, are, are still a viable entity and they're still beating teams on a regular basis and every once in a while stepping out of their other conference and, and beating an elite team, then they should be considered. But it's going to have to take some imaginative uh, imagination from the, from the committee to do that. And that's the tough thing about it is, you know, the committee's kind of seemingly set in their ways. They're supposed to be better than the BCS, but it feels just like the BCS. You brought up the Big 12. Now, the Big 12, this is what's interesting to me, is the American Athletic Conference is treated as paupers, but they have enough teams to split into divisions, and based on old rules, they could play their championship game because they have 12 teams. That's why the Big East could never have a championship game. Well, the Big 12, they play a championship game that doesn't even matter. They have one conference, no divisions, and the Big 12, in all the irony, only has 10 teams despite being called the Big 12. So what do you think about you know some of these teams that are within this because it's a conference that, that is glorified, and I know they have some good teams, but – it's a glorified conference that is unlike every other autonomous conference, which has two divisions and, 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 and a bunch of teams. The Big 12 has 10 teams, and Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas are ranked. Baylor's doing better than last year, but you know they, I think they won one game last year. Iowa is 3-3. Three and three. TCU started off strong, lost to Ohio State, and the wheels fell off. They're 3-3. Three and three. Kansas State's 3-4. and four. Oklahoma State's 4-3. and three. Kansas is 2-4. and four. So outside of Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Texas, we're not talking about a lot of greatness here. How would you assess the Big 12? Well, obviously, their strength of schedule within their, uh, their, their league is not as great as, say, the ACC or the SEC. Uh, going back to what I said earlier, that most most SEC teams can beat another team on any given Saturday. That can't be said of the Big 12. Uh, you only got a couple of teams, uh, West Virginia and Oklahoma, uh, that really stand out. It's, it's unfortunate, but if if they if they increased, I don't know who they would get get to come in, but if they increased. Uh, their uh, their league by a couple of teams and they could have divisions it'd be like everyone else so they're really they're sort of like the redheaded stepchild uh maybe they shouldn't be considered maybe someone like the ucf should be considered uh but that's the way the committee set it up they want to they want to involve that conference and the winner of that conference is probably going to get a an at-large burst probably if oklahoma runs the table uh then i, I look for them to be in there but if they don't it the teams that you mentioned in this conference cannot beat the top teams on any given Saturday. So you're almost giving them a win. You know, there's two or three teams uh, that are strong. The rest of them are weak. And the conference as a whole does not measure up to the conferences that you stated earlier. And and that's where my frustration comes is the Big 12 poaches coaches from the American. The Big 12 looked at poaching institutions from the American and the Big 12 doesn't even have divisions, doesn't even have a championship game that, that really matters. 
yet the American Athletic Conference is pushed down, and I don't understand that. I feel like if they have any type of argument, that there could be an argument against the Big 12 because, with all due respect, the Big 12 doesn't necessarily play defense. And, you know, outside – and Texas has been struggling. They're doing okay right now. But it's not like we're sitting here saying – that these teams have been perennially successful and perennially good. And we know that when West Virginia in history plays a good defense, they struggle to win games because they try to outscore everybody. So, you know, to me, it's it, what is the value of the Big 12 and why is it considered so good when they're good against each other but not necessarily against the top teams elsewhere? That's, well, that's a good point. Again, a good point. I think what happened to the Big 12 is that when the SEC split and they took away Texas A&M and they took away some other some other uh, leagues uh, opened up like the Big 10 and stole some of those teams, uh, the Big 12 had to put some teams in there that they really didn't think could compete, like West Virginia and Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech is tough every year, uh, if, I'm, if I said that right. Um I don't know if there is a way for them uh, to be considered only as the fourth best league in the leagues that we're talking about. We're not even talking about the West Coast yet. We've got a couple of good teams over there, Oregon and, and Washington, that possibly could play with everyone, too. So, you know, the the, the committee has, has tried, but the SEC, and I mean, the, the, uh, the NCAA as a whole, has made a mess of a lot of things, and 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 the reorganization is another one. So they have nothing fair right now to offer the West Coast or the Big Twelve in terms of telling their conference that well, you know, if you win, you're going to be considered in our top four. You know, the NCAA's made a mockery of that too. So they got to figure it out. And it, as usual, when it comes to something like that, it comes to dollars. So if it if it makes sense dollar wise, then the NCAA and the committees are going to change things. But until then, no, don't look for anything. That coming from Papa Joe here in Papa Joe's Picks. College football talk every Thursday morning. And we also talk about, you know, other things in the football world and life in general. Papa Jay, before we get to our college football picks, I'm going to switch gears for a second and I'm going to go to the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I have had this conversation numerous times on my show that when you take away your starting left tackle and your backup left tackle and your starting running back and your top wide receiver and your starting tight end, that maybe, just maybe, your quarterback is going to struggle. Add into that that TJ Yeldon hasn't been 100%. Add into that that Corey Grant, who's your who's your secret weapon, backup running back, speedy guy who also plays on special teams and trick plays, he's on injured reserve. So you take all of that away from Jacksonville and the fact that the entire offensive line has been on the injury report. And everybody wants to blame Blake Bortles, but a couple years ago, Blake didn't have an offensive line. He didn't have a running back. He had a lot of issues that led to the demise of the Jaguars and now he's in a similar situation, and the team is struggling to move the ball. And I said it when they played the Titans. They didn't have the protection that they needed. He dropped back and almost immediately was pressured and 
very, very few quarterbacks are going to get the ball out of their hands, let alone to a receiver and not the other team, in like one second or 1.8 seconds. So I have to ask you, the blame is on Blake Bortles to many people, but this this seems like the perfect storm for a quarterback to, to struggle. Yes, you're true. Um, what you're saying is correct. Uh, Bortles has struggled. Uh, you know, you and I, of course, are Jaguar fans, and you cover them, and I'm here in the home country, and, you know, we're diehard Jag fans. But to to their defense, you're correct in, in detailing what's happened to with the injured reserves. Um, look, Bortles is a big, tough, rugged guy, and he, he takes a lot of hits. Uh, a, a smaller quarterback probably would have succumbed by now. But he gets out there, runs the edges, and does all sorts of things. Yeah, the thing that bothers me about the, the Jaguars right now, is not talking about the, the offense anymore, is their defense. You know, year, weeks ago, I told your listeners that the rest of the country is going to see the best defensive team when they when they watch the Jaguars. Well, that hasn't been the case the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, maybe they're reading too many uh, articles about themselves. But it, it, the defense needs to really pick up to keep the offense in the game. And against Dallas, they, they were like a matador defense. Waved the cape and let everyone through, and uh, there was nothing there whatsoever. I, I'm sure that Coughlin was up there just stewing. Uh, but getting back to the offense, you're right, uh, and there's no place to go. I mean, you got O'Shaughnessy is a good tight end, and I think that if they use him a little bit more and uh, swing Yeldon out of the backfield the way that they do, uh, you know, they have to come up with some other things. I mean, uh, they just got Charles. Uh, they signed him out. I don't know if he's going to turn out to be anything, but uh, I think you need to be a little bit more creative on the offensive end and maybe get some uh, some misdirection going or some just some stuff to, to move the defenses around. If they if they know that Jacksonville can't run the ball and, and Del, Yeldon's not 100% and Charles isn't going to be the answer, then they're going to sit back on Bortles and they're going to punish him. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but not only does Jacksonville have problems offensively, it's defensively too. There's no possible way they should have lost those last two games the way they have uh, without their defense falling apart. And one of my longtime listeners, Johnny, I call him Johnny Bananas, he, he sent a message and said that what he would like to see is for Jalen Ramsey to play football and stop essentially, you know, talking about other teams and, and yelling about this and yelling about that and, and saying that they're this and they're that and they're the best and these people are trash. He would like to see Jalen Ramsey just play football. What are your thoughts on this? Because I think that the poster board material that Jalen Ramsey gave to the Patriots before the AFC Championship game did a number on the Jaguars when he landed in in Jacksonville after I saw the team in Pittsburgh landed in Jacksonville and said, we're going to the Super Bowl and we're going to win that expletive. So, you know, I mean, he, he made that statement. The irony is Pittsburgh was talking about the next game. Pittsburgh wasn't respecting the Jaguars, and they were already looking at the Patriots, and they lost. And the Jaguars took that as locker room material. Then Jalen Ramsey, in a giant form of irony, gave locker room material to the Patriots when he overlooked them. So Jalen has been talking for a while. He started off the season 
degrading quarterbacks and teams around the country before they even played it down. What do you think about the Jalen Ramsey factor? Jalen Ramsey's been talking trash ever since he's been a freshman in high school, for crying out loud. That kid never stops running his mouth. Uh, the reason he was an All-American defensive back at Florida State was because he backed it up. Uh, he's getting beat a little bit up here in the NFL, but you know, there's only so many times that you can run your mouth before your 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 actual team starts turning on you. Jalen, Jalen, please shut the f up, will you? Please and just play ball for crying out loud. I'm wondering why Coughlin hasn't talked to this kid. I, I don't I don't get it. You know, it's okay to have a big ego and get out there. I'm Jalen Ramsey. I'm six two, two hundred pounds, and I can cover anyone. Well, he's not covering anyone. And he, if he quit running his mouth, maybe be a little bit more humble, come in, comes in the huddle and say, listen, guys, I screwed up a little bit. He says, I'm just going to play ball. You're not going to hear anything from me for the rest of the year. I think Jaguar fans would love to hear that. Well, and that's the thing that, that I don't understand is, you know, your talking is not helping. It is only hurting the team. There is nothing positive that is coming out of this by any stretch of the imagination. So for me, it would just make perfect sense if he would just stop. He has no leg to stand on right now. He has nothing to say right now. They're not beating anybody right now. They gave up 70 points in the last two weeks. So, you know, I mean, it's just, and, and, and again, I did come to the defense of the defense and said that the Cowboys had possession of the football for almost a full three out of four quarters. And when you when you do that, you force the, the Jaguars defense to be on the field. And when you're on the field, no matter how good you are, after a while you're going to make mistakes. But I just I don't understand Jalen Ramsey. The one thing that really bothered me about Jalen Ramsey is in the Cowboys game, he was sitting on the sideline and he just looked like a little kid that didn't want to be on the team anymore. He looked like somebody, and this is me just outside looking in. This is not anything he said. He looked to me that he had checked out. It looked like he was like, damn, I made a mistake. I need to be on a dick. He looked like a little kid saying, I'm on the wrong soccer team. I got to go be with those guys. And, I I mean, I just – I know that when guys check out, when they're kind of done, it's just – it's. I feel like right now it's more about him than it's about them. And that's not helping the team. He is not – by any stretch of the imagination, the only problem in Jacksonville, but he does not assist or help the issues and the problems when he looks like the person in an argument that just wants to leave the house. All he does is talk. I mean, you can see after he breaks up a pass or some wide receiver maybe drops a ball, he's right in the kid's face and starts yapping, 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 yapping. Jalen, we don't want to hear that anymore. We know you're a good player. You don't have to tell everyone... You don't have to tell the world. Just play ball, please. Just play ball. That coming from Papa Jay. Papa Joe, uh, what I mean, you and I have have defended Blake Bortles so much. You know, in the game against the Chiefs, they should have won that game. He gave up five possessions. He threw four interceptions, and he fumbled the ball. There are no excuses. That is on him. That is in, I mean, I know, you know, pressure and again with the offensive line and this and that, there's things that can lead to these issues, but you turn the ball over five times, you're not winning against a bad team. You turn the ball over five times against the 
highest-powered offense in the country right now next to the Rams, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Where is Blake Bortles right now? And does Tom Coughlin see another bad week and say, we need to go out and get somebody? Uh, he's in a tough spot. Uh, but you're right. You can't blame him for everything. Uh, the Chiefs game was not a good game. And, and frankly, the Chiefs came in with a real poor offense, and he's probably looking at his chops, or defense, as you say. He's probably looking at his chops, and I'm saying, you know, I can we can score some points against this team. Maybe we'll have to outscore him. Well, he forced the ball a lot, and, and instead of making – Kansas City earn earn it. He just gifted it to him. Uh, he's in a tough spot. I did read this week, and a couple of pundits have already got their the NFL uh, draft polls out already. And one of the uh, one of the pundits had uh, Will Greer for West Virginia going to the Jaguars. Uh, I'm not sure that's a sign or an omen, but. Uh, maybe Coach Coughlin is, is looking that way. I, I don't think Bortles is any is in any trouble. He needs the right to ship though, because he's he does have a good arm and he's a good quarterback. But if if he's not producing here against some lesser quality teams, uh, then perhaps maybe someone like Will Greer or someone else in the, the college community will benefit coming to the Jaguars. And that's the thing is they passed on quarterbacks, you know, in the last couple seasons uh, you know they they brought in a guy late in the draft and let him go you know so in Brandon Allen who actually did some good things in the preseason so that was kind of confusing but and I'm sure it didn't cost a lot of money so irregardless of how Jacksonville does this year do the Jaguars just draft I mean Outside of winning, I shouldn't say irregardless of anything, outside of winning the Super Bowl or Blake Bortles just, you know, taking it to town for the rest of the season. If he struggles a little bit, you know, they don't win a Super Bowl, whatever it may be, do they get a, go for a high draft pick quarterback? Or do they put somebody there, not necessarily to outseat Blake Bortles, but to have options? Because right now they don't really have options. Well, that's true. Uh but, you know, the Jaguars, ever since Fournette got hurt, he got hurt last year, he got hurt this year. You know, you can't have an offensive full strength unless you got you have all your all your guys going. You know, Fournette was supposed to be the, the run guy that makes the defenses honest. And he hasn't played. And, and he I don't think he's played half his game since he's been a Jaguar. So uh, what you're saying is correct. That, that probably they certainly don't need to draft any defensive players. Mark Lee's, Marquise Lee will be back next year, hopefully, 100%. And the rest of the wide receivers should be back next year. So offensive-wise, the really defensive-wise, there's nothing to think about. Offensive-wise, if Fournette ever stays healthy with Jeldon, you know, they'll score some points. Uh, it, it's on Bortles. It's on Bortles. And I'm sure Coach Coughlin is already scouring uh, the, the college teams looking for something. And... Uh, Come someone coming out just a couple of days ago saying that in the first in the first round they would select Will Greer from West Virginia to to go to the Jaguars. Perhaps maybe that's the sign that maybe they're getting a little frustrated with Bortles, even though he's a quality quarterback. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing is like you know when we look at this situation, like you said, Tom Coughlin always try, <coughs> pardon me, always trying to be a bunch of steps ahead, and you know preparing. One of my listeners just sent me that, you know, Gruden is 
Now, John Gruden, I think, okay, and, and Papa Joe, you can roll me on this on this because I know you know this stuff. Sleeper cells are implanted in places as normal people, good people, happy people, but they're actually tearing something apart from the inside out. I'm wondering if John Gruden was hired as a sleeper cell. Maybe he was talking to Russia the whole time because he's on the Raiders and he got rid of their best player in Khalil Mack. The Chicago Bears are relevant and at the top of the NFC North. And on top of all of that, he is now shopping, allegedly, quarterback Derek Carr. So he took his best player and let him go. He's looking at his next best player and potentially letting him go. So I have two questions for you. One, what do you think about Derek Carr being shopped? And two, is John Gruden working with Vladimir Putin? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, Gruden is a strange character, uh, you know. He's but he's been away for ten years, and that, that's an awful lot of time. Uh, I think that they're also shopping Amari Cooper too, the wide receiver. Um, there's John Gruden. Uh, I think he's unfortunately because I think he's a wonderful personality. Maybe he just belongs on TV. Uh, I just think maybe he's he's gotten in over his head again, and I don't think he can recapture the magic that he had 10 years ago. A decade away from the field, even though you've been uh, talking about it on air for all these years, is a whole different animal. I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that the the Raiders are going to be relevant at all. Uh, if they don't protect Derek Carr, they're going to lose him because he's going to get killed one day. Uh, and Amari Cooper, if they can't. Car can't stand up and throw the ball. He's not going to catch anything. So I don't know where he's going with all this. Uh, it sounds like just like Derek Jeter when he took over the the Miami uh, Dolphins, uh, not the Miami Dolphins, but the Miami Marlins. He got rid of a lot of players, traded the best players away. I don't know why you do that unless you have a really good idea what you're going to be in a couple of years. Maybe he thinks he's got a strong draft coming up. I don't know. Maybe he's got some one and two year players that. Look like they're going to be killers, but uh, John Gruden, I think, is a little in over his head. And uh, if I was the, the ownership, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be wanting to trade uh, my best players again. Well, and that that's the thing that doesn't make. It seems like you know there's certain coaches with you know egos, and John Gruden seems to be, or at least looks like he is, the guy who you know, like other coaches in history, wants to shake up the team get rid of the best players, show that he's smarter than everybody else, wheel and deal, roll the dice, bet on black, do what he's got to do. He's gotten some draft picks. That's good. I just don't know if he knows what he's doing completely. And this is the last season that the team was supposed to be in Oakland. So, like, the swan song is like, hey, we're taking the Raiders away from you and we're going to rip away all your favorite players, and we're going to suck. Like, I mean, it's just, it's like insult to injury. So I just don't get it. But I, this is, you know, this is what Chip Kelly did with Philadelphia. You, you roll the dice. You get rid of your best. You clean house to try and prove that you're smarter and better than the rest. Sometimes it works. Other times you get fired. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's, it, it's a, it's a big time risk. And I understand that, that, that guys want to make their mark, but Khalil Mack is legitimately one of the best 
players in the NFL. And that decision is probably never going to make sense to me. Yep. Um, he's turned around the Chicago Cubs. Look what Tabisky's doing with the, with the, the Chicago Cubs. I'm still talking baseball. <laughs> the Bears. I know. You, you, you've been so into Milwaukee. I know. The, I, we know you're oh, talking Bears. My, my, brewers are, my brewers are hurting right here this morning. But anyway, Tabisky's turned in to be a killer. Now they got offense and defense on the Bears. You know, it looks like John Gruden, for all his smarts and whatever he thinks he is, uh, this is going to be the reclamation project of a lifetime if he can pull this off. I, I don't see it, though. I don't see him doing it. No. I mean, again, he's getting draft picks. He's building for the future. If it works, it, it, great. If it doesn't, then you traded away your franchise quarterback and your best player on your team. So, I understand taking risks in life. You just have to make sure that they're calculated, educated risks. We got to make our picks before we jump out of this segment, Papa Jay. So, I got a, a slew of games in front of me. Here we go. Michigan and Michigan State. This game doesn't hype me up. I'm not jazzed about it, so to speak. But it's, you know, it's, it's a big-time rivalry in the state of Michigan. What do you think about this one? Well, Michigan should should win on talent alone, but you know that there's a few teams in the, in the in the Big Ten like that that can play each other and beat each other every year, and these two teams can play each other and beat each other every year, uh, and it wouldn't make any difference. Uh, but Michigan looks like they're too strong for right now. If Michigan wins and they continue to have one loss, are they considered in this in the college football playoff? No, no, I just don't think they're strong enough. I would agree with that. I'm going to pick Michigan this weekend, but I agree with that. Oklahoma has one loss. Oklahoma is going on the road to Texas Christian. That game will be on Saturday, October 20th, the day before my birthday, at noon on ABC. TCU has struggled, which makes me believe that they are ripe for a comeback and ripe for an upset. Is Oklahoma in trouble at TCU? No, but Gary Patterson at TCU is, is known to come up with some really good wrinkles every once in a while. Uh, I think Oklahoma is a little bit too fast for them, and uh, Kyler Murray is the real deal. Um, uh, he's he's going to be a heck of a baseball player. I'm not sure that he's going to be a good protect uh, professional quarterback. I don't know if he wants to be, but right now uh, he he's he's the king in Oklahoma, and, and just his talent alone uh, brings Oklahoma home here. Yeah, my, my issue with TCU, I think they could play spoiler in this game, but my issue with TCU is my issue with most teams that play Oklahoma. Oklahoma scores 50 points in a game. Unless you right. can get up to 48-50, you ain't beating Oklahoma, and TCU has proven that the only teams that they can defeat by scoring a lot of points are teams like SMU that it, you know has a fir- you know first-year coach with them and Sonny Dykes or teams that people didn't even know were colleges, with no disrespect. But unless you can score 50, you're not beating Oklahoma. So I'm going to take Oklahoma. It's, it's fun to watch all these teams score all these points. I, I love it. Uh, when I watched Memphis play last year, I, I, I thought, gee, these guys can really score. And it's, it's fun. It's actually fun to look at uh, Oklahoma play and, and Alabama. Uh, it's, I love to watch them play. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to see 13 to 10 games or 10 to 7s. I want to see 42 to 35s, you know, and that's what these college teams are, are putting up. Offensively now, things are really getting crazy out there. 
they got some really skilled positions uh, out there, and they're scoring a lot of points, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma, even though I talk about the Big 12 not playing defense all the time, I do like seeing touchdowns. So, on the other side of the argument, I understand it, and I like it. So, I got Oklahoma in this one. Tennessee is going to be at home against Alabama. Florida has defeated Tennessee. Georgia has defeated Tennessee. West Virginia has defeated Tennessee. But Tennessee just went to Auburn and defeated them. Should Alabama have anything to worry about with this somewhat rabid dog in Tennessee? Isn't it remarkable that Tennessee goes and beats Auburn? It it, it just proves what I said earlier about these teams. Um, Alabama, you know... If you go, if you get up and go get some popcorn and come back and sit down, they probably scored two touchdowns already. So uh, I look for uh, I look for Alabama to win easily, but you don't know if they're playing at Tennessee and there's a hundred thousand people, Daniel, in that stadium, a hundred thousand people, and a lot of them are going to be for for Tennessee. So it could it maybe can pose a problem, but strictly uh, on talent alone and the execution on offense. Uh, should not prove a problem uh, for Alabama. I'm going to pick Alabama in this one as well. Here's a fun one. Mississippi State at LSU. Mississippi State's ranked 22nd in the country. LSU is 5th. LSU has went from 5 to 13 to 5. So we know that the committee likes them. We also know that they can drop. They only have one loss this season, and that loss is to Florida. Is LSU in some type of a trap game in this week? Could be, could be. Uh, uh, if Fitzgerald for Mississippi State ever gets going again, he's an extremely dangerous dual threat quarterback. He's the kind of guy that can throw for 300 yards and run for 100. I don't know if he could do that against the LSU's uh, defense, but uh, this is another situation where this could be a hiccup. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's a pick em game myself. Uh, I would pick LSU only because the, they have a lot to lose if they lose, and Mississippi State's going to go not going to gain anything. They're just going to go to a good bowl and make their players and, and alumni happy. Um, if 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 they can stay close, they got a shot, but I don't think so. I, it's a pick 'em game to me, uh, but I'm going to pick LSU. You and I are going snake eyes. I'm picking LSU in this one as well. Ohio State's on the road at Purdue. Ohio State is undefeated. I love watching Dwayne Haskins, their quarterback. But Purdue can score a lot of points. Thoughts on this game? Don't watch Don't watch the Big Ten very much. Uh, I read about Purdue every once in a while, and they certainly have a really good offense. You're correct. Uh, but, uh, again, it's, 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 it's talent alone. And these are the situations – that Ohio State's going to find themselves in when they play weak teams. Just like I described with Alabama last week. They don't play four full quarters. The Haskins will throw nine million yards and five touchdowns and, and they have a 28-3 to three lead at halftime and come out for the third quarter and throw another one, and then he's done for, the, done for the day. The same with Tua down there in Alabama. If these good teams are not being uh, played with for, for four quarters, they can lose some of their edge. This is a situation where eventually Ohio State has to play four quarters, but they're not going to do it this week because they're not going to need it. And I'm going to go with Ohio State as well. We got uh, just a couple more games. Vandy at Kentucky. Thoughts on that one? 
Oh, this is a good one. This is a real, real, real good one. Vandy really surprised me last week playing Florida. I didn't think they were that good offensively. I knew they played Notre Dame really, really tough. And, of course, we know that Kentucky uh, uh, monopolized both lines of scrimmages against Florida and pushed around Florida. I don't know what's happened to Kentucky, but uh, if Vanderbilt plays the way they did last week, they can win this game, and I think they will. I'm going to – oh, this is – see, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to go with Kentucky, but I think that this is going to be a good game. So I'm going to go with Kentucky, but this will be a tough game. Outside of that, uh, let's let's get a couple more in here. We got I got to ask you about Syracuse and North Carolina in Syracuse. I've, I'll obviously be doing the pregame presser at the Press Room Pub at 1020 a.m. this Saturday, October 20th. Easy to remember. On 10:20, we will start the show at 10:20 a.m. and we'll be at the we'll be at the press room pub. So come out and see Rob Drummond and myself pre-gaming with the show, and then we will head up to the dome with you guys for the 12:20 kickoff for North Carolina Syracuse. Syracuse has played pretty darn good defense, despite what they did the first two years under Dino Babers. They're only like kind of black thumb, sore thumb, not great thing, is that their run defense isn't there. They allowed Clemson to run all over them. They allowed Pittsburgh to run all over them. And now Michael Carter of North Carolina is coming into the game as you know, only getting better from game to game. And Michael Carter, mind you, ran for 165 yards on only 18 carries, 9.2 yards per carry. So... North Carolina is one and four. Syracuse is four and two. Yet Syracuse's Achilles heel is stopping the run, and North Carolina can run the ball. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, this is a this is a uh, ground control game right here. If North Carolina controls the clock and runs and runs and runs and runs, and Syracuse can't stop it, it's going to be a long day. Uh, Syracuse has, certainly has a talent. They got a great quarterback. I love this kid, Dungey. Uh, he, I just love what he did against FSU and played pretty well against Clemson too. But he he's he could be the difference maker here. Uh, Flor, uh, Syracuse can score quickly, and North Carolina is going to plot it along. So if you see that North Carolina is controlling the line of scrimmages and controlling the clock, then you guys are in for a long day, Daniel. I know that I'm going to pick Syracuse, but it's going to be a close one. I th- I think it. I think. I think that this game could get dangerous. I'm hoping that Syracuse wins it 48-13. to We shall see. My final game for you, Papa Jay, is the game that I – I know I cover Syracuse and the ACC and the American very closely. I know I'll be at the Dome with the Syracuse game. But my favorite game this Saturday is NC State at Clemson. Two years ago, NC State – Missed a 30-yard field goal to win the game. They went into overtime with Clemson and lost. Last season, they they threw a touchdown. Ryan Flin, Finley threw a touchdown pass attempt into double coverage. His receiver got his hands on it. He got hit before he crossed the goal line. They have come within one possession and one play of beating Clemson in back-to-back occasions. They are undefeated. Clemson is undefeated and they're both at the top of the Atlantic Division of the ACC. This is the third time that NC State can overtake the division and beat Clemson. What do you think is going to happen? Well, what a ball game. This is, this, is, this is a ball game that every good football fan wants to see. 
and this is a this is a real serious problem for for Clemson. Serious problem. Um, I look for I look for NC State to be competitive, obviously, um, but you know, this is there's a there's a saying that Chris Berman always used to say when he was on Sports Center. He would say, "That's why they play the game," and this is why they play the game. This this is the game to watch. Clemson, NC State. Uh, I, I look for Clemson to pull that out, but it's going to be a super game to watch, Daniel. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome, and I'm going with NC State. Third time's all the charm. Right, right. Let's make it friggin' happen, Dave Doran. All it's right. about damn time. So he knows it's right there. You better go and get you some. So, and I and I love Dabo Sweeney very much. So, and I appreciate and respect his faith in God more than anything. But I'm telling you, man, NC State's been knocking on that door. So it's time to it's time to heat it up and make things interesting. That's what that's what life is about. So that's with, right. with that being said, Papa Jay, it has been my absolute and tremendous pleasure to have you on the show. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, Daniel. You hang in there. You know I will, Papa Jay. Okay, bro. Take care. Love you. Love you too. And coming from Papa Joe. Papa Joe here on the show. I love that my listeners now do the Papa Joe call. It's like the Feeney call. It's 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 contagious and it's gonna become a thing. People are going to say it. It's gonna be like the Feeney call. People that are listening to the show are gonna go around in their life, be walking around the house with their wife, and they're gonna go Papa Joe. And I can't really do it because my voice is hoarse, but you know what I'm trying to do. And you know, and their wife's gonna be like, "What the hell?" It's just gonna stick with you. It's gonna be like fee he he nay. So I'm very excited that we're starting something new and something cool. It's all about starting something new, and that's what I'm doing in my life. And if you're doing it in yours, you're not alone. When every door closes, I don't think another door opens. I think a ton of doors open, and then you have a choice of where you want to go. Always choose God. And always choose your dreams and always choose a positive approach and do good things. Always choose to do good things. Let's take a step aside and we'll come back with Mike Sofka. Get your pens and paper ready. Not your pencils, folks. We are professionals. Get your pens ready. We're about to give you fantasy football advice for week number seven inside of the NFL. This is a wake-up call fast break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, you know, we bring in local produce, we prepare to order in the kitchen, we hand bread our chicken, we hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're 
actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. News is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious 9-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game, enjoy time with family, friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Totoro's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. 
for all the women out there. Feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Thank you for listening into Papa Joe's Picks here this week, College Football Talk. Make sure that you follow on to the next portion of this show with the fantasy football power hour for week seven inside the NFL right here on wake up call with Dan Tortora.